You are Locked On the NFL, your daily NFL podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, hello. I am Matt Williamson. This is the Locked On NFL podcast. As we do every Tuesday, we have my new friend Sage Rosenfels with us. We got much to discuss around the league. Sage, what is happening with you? Not a whole lot. Uh, I, I do a Tuesday morning Chicago uh, The Score uh, radio show just before this one. Okay. So I spent the morning re-watching that game from last night trying to – and I just talked about Mitchell Trubisky. That's the nice thing. I don't have to talk about the defense or the <laughs> offensive line. I just they, – they want to know about you know Mitchell Trubisky and, and his you know development as a young quarterback. And so I sort of spent my morning re-watching that game from last night. And, uh, you know, trying to find, you know, different things to say about, uh, you know, this kid who obviously has a lot of talent, uh, but definitely has a lot of things to improve on uh, in his young career as well. Yeah, let's start there. I mean, I I just wanted to recap the Monday Nighter a little bit, too. Wilson made an unbelievable throw for the touchdown, but other than that, got very little help, was under much duress. You know, they were highlighting Khalil Mack, as they obviously should. I sent a tweet out saying... Uh, their defensive lineman, Hicks, is a top 10 defensive player and doesn't get that kind of credit. I like Chicago's scheme on both sides of the ball. And Trubisky, like you said, is obviously talented. I mean, big, strong, fast. All If you drop a quarterback, you want him to look like that. But he's very uneven still, too. And one thing I noticed about him, and it's something I've, I've seen kind of over, you know, over his short career, is he'll, he tends to lock his front leg, and his uh, accuracy can suffer at times when he does. And he seems like one of the old Bill Walsh you know, theories that if I just watch his feet, I can tell you if it's an accurate pass or not. You know, that's funny you say that. That's something we talked about this oh, really? morning. Uh, yeah, we, we, we talked about, you know, the, the footwork. And, you know, there, there's two things that, uh, you know, a, a quarterback, I believe, the two most important qualities of a quarterback. And, you know, people talk about arm strength and they talk about athletic ability and escapability and, you know, create all these different things. Decision making and accuracy. All right. I, I look at Drew Brees, makes great sure. decisions, and he's probably the most accurate or one of the most accurate quarterbacks in the history of the game. And he's a Hall of Famer, doesn't have the big arm, doesn't have, you know, he's a very good athlete, but he's not a guy who's running around all over the place and making plays. He makes great decisions, and he's really accurate. So Trubisky has more natural talent than a guy like Drew Brees, uh, but, you know, his accuracy is not there yet uh, in his decision-making. He made couple bad decisions last night. Really, just one really bad decision last night. It was this ball that should have been intercepted. He tried to force one into about triple coverage in the end zone on a scramble play. That was a bad decision. Really, not a bad decision and a bad throw. Just wasn't intercepted. He, he threw two picks last night. One was a tip ball, and one was a go route. And what you were talking about, the Bill Walsh thing, we discussed it on that, on that radio show, the score, is – Go routes, you know, just your general, you know, down the sideline routes. They're generally thrown off of one hitch. You get the ball, you you, you take out your either a five step drop from under center or usually three step drop from out of the gun. One hitch, and then you throw the, you throw your go route down the field. Usually they're caught between thirty five and, and forty yards. So in that situation, uh, they actually had option route by Tariq Cohen in the slot there out of, of, an, of an empty formation. And he looked at him first, and he was double-teamed. And then on about his third hitch, 
see you try to throw that go route, uh, you know, down the sidelines. And more often than not, when you're really late to those types of balls, the further they go down the field, unless you're like Aaron Rodgers or something, for whatever reason, more often than not, bad things seem to happen when those go routes are, are thrown off schedule. Yeah, and uh, he had another play where it looked like he was trying to be Russell Wilson. He turned his back to the defense and made a wonderful throw, but it was kind of an ill-advised way to get there. I don't know if you remember that one or not. Yeah, it was It was a, the play to Tariq Cohen you know, yeah. on the right sideline there. It, and that's nothing we discussed. You know, there's... There's, you know, again, he's so young. Mm -hmm. He started for one year at North Carolina. And also, let's add to it, from what I was told, when he came out of the draft, I talked to various NFL quarterbacks coaches. This kid knew very little about sort of NFL style football when he came out of the draft. They did not run an NFL, you know, a lot of NFL concepts at North Carolina. He wasn't asked to do a lot with protections. It was like true spread and and, you know, really a lot of stuff that sort of the Bears are doing now, but he just, you know, he was a very raw kid with obviously a, he throws a really nice ball. Uh, he can't, when he's accurate, man, it looks beautiful. Yeah. Uh, and everything looks just great. He threw a couple out routes last night. Obviously he likes Allen Robinson, the third, I think he, he targeted him about 14 times last night and connected on the vast majority of those. Uh, but you know, when, um, but young guys, you know, they're, they're, you're, you're trying to train these kids to, you're back in the pocket, you're one hitch to your first read, you're two hitches to your second read. And, you know, then at, at that point, usually coaches will say, all right, you got to get your check down uh, or you got to run. You know, you can't just stand in the pocket for days on end because usually just bad things happen. You stand there for three, four hitches, you're going to get sacked. You're going to get a uh, the ball knocked out of your hands. You know, the, the pocket is always collapsing. Well, there was a couple situations last night where the pocket wasn't collapsing and he did have plenty of time. Uh, and he was after about, you know, the two to three hitch spot. And then he could just sort of tell his, his sort of clock went off, his internal clock went off of like, okay, I gotta, I gotta do something. And then he, you know, does this spin move or he runs out of the pocket when actually being in the pocket was the best place to be. You know, when, once mm -hmm. you run out of the pocket and let's just say to your right, and he, he does usually scramble to his right more than to his left. The field basically just got cut you know, not even in half, I would say, I would say you just, you limited your choices down to about a third of the field, usually from about the, the hash onto the sideline. So you really sort of minimize uh, your ability to, to, you know, get all the receivers, give them a chance to make plays. That's one thing Aaron Rodgers does so well is he'll escape, but he usually escapes still in, in sort of the framework of the pocket or just outside the pocket. He's not just straight running to the sidelines uh, to try to escape, uh, you know, the defensive pass rushers, and and you know, then he still has the entire field to to uh, to to work with and try to find guys open. Do you think it could work? I mean, no one expects Trubisky to be a, a polished, finished product in the near future. I mean, it, it could happen down the line. It's you know, he seems like he's progressing rather well. But could you look at it as he also doesn't really have any bad habits we need to coach out of him? Yeah, no, he doesn't do anything terrible. And and this is what I was explaining to them on the radio. I mean, what what would you rather what what is Mitchell Trubisky's top end here, right? I mean, he's his physical talent puts him as a, you know, a guy that, you know, there's not a lot of quarterbacks in the league that have, you know, Alex Smith doesn't have his top end talent. No. They both are sort of uh, with their legs and their escapability and those types of things. They're very similar. All right. Uh, but he doesn't, Alex Smith does not have Trubisky's arm in any way. So what do you want his top end to be? Well, you'd love, if you're a Bears fan, to be a, a Hall of Fame player someday, right? You'd love for that to happen. Well, I think the worst thing that Matt Nagy can do is try to, you know, sort of put him in a box, 
put bubble wrap around him and then try to like, you know, let's just make him a game manager and limit his mistakes and, you know, call really easy sort of plays for him and, and never have to, you know, have him push the envelope. I think the best thing to do, and there's always growing pains with it because your quarterback is going to make mistakes, but I'm like, let this kid loose. You yeah, know, right. let, let him throw the ball down the field. It might be crappy this year and he might throw 20 interceptions, but I'd rather have, you know, imagine a, a young Brett Favre or a young Aaron Rodgers in which the coaching staff was like, no, 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 don't do that. Don't do that. You know, stay in the pocket, one hitch, two hitch, you know, really go through your progressions and, and don't have any creativity. I think that would have been the worst thing to happen to, to Brett Favre. You know, I think luckily, uh, you know, I think Andy Reid was maybe his quarterback's coach or coordinator. But, you know, back in when he was in early Green Bay, they they sort of took the good with the bad. And I think it's one of those things you're never going to be a great quarterback, uh, especially these guys like Trubisky who can you know, run around a little bit if you just sort of try to protect them so much when they're young. Because I think you sort of have to go out there. You have to make those mistakes. But also you sort of realize you can make some great plays happen. Uh, you know, if if you're let loose, but if you try to they try to protect him and and really limit his you know, sort of a athletic ability. And, and, and I think you really limit his possibilities of what he can be, uh, you know, five or, or even 10 years down the line. Yeah, that's great stuff. Um, Sage, you've done a fair amount of work with The Athletic, correct? Yeah, I write for I write the, for The Athletic Minnesota. I write a Viking article every single Monday. And as you can tell, Sage brings great information to these airwaves as well as theathletic.com. So what you need to do is you go to theathletic.com slash LockedOnNFL, all lowercase, all one word, and that saves you 40% off your first year subscription. So it's only $2.99 a month to get the, the insights of people like Sage, as well as tons of other local experts. They also have a national staff now led by Jay Glazer, Lindsey Jones, Mike Lombardi. I actually just got his book delivered here the other day. Ross Tucker, our buddy, Dane Brugler. So The Athletic is great stuff. It's a subscription-based publisher of smarter sports coverage for diehard fans. The model is very simple. There's no ads, no pop-ups, no autoplay videos. Instead, readers subscribe for authentic, in-depth coverage written by great journalists who know their teams inside and out. Subscribers have access to local and national content, as I mentioned, with more than 650 news stories published every week across all sports. Subscribe and be part of the future of sports journalism. And you do that by going to theathletic.com slash LockedOnNFL, all one word, all lowercase. And that gets your subscription down to just $2.99 a month, which is 40% off. Amazing. Um, Sage, I don't know if you know this, and I wonder if you have any theories about it, but this is an amazing stat. First of all, for those of you that don't understand passer rating, and I don't think it's the best stat in the world, Aaron Rodgers' career passer rating is 103.9. That's damn good, okay? Needless to say. On Sunday, there were 28 quarterbacks playing. Collectively, their passer rating on Sunday was 105.1. Better than Rodgers' career passer rating. And 16 quarterbacks had a passer rating over 100. 21 of them had an over 95. You know, and that would included... Nick Foles and Darnold and Allen and some of the guys that weren't playing well. It, that's an amazing number to me. Do you think that, do you have any theory behind it, Sage? I mean, is this time of year quarterback friendly? Obviously, there wasn't a lot of weather to deal with, but that's bonkers to me. Yeah, you know, I, I, I'd like to see 
like the trending chart when you start in September and then you end in, you know, on January 1st and mm-hmm. how the sort of the average quarterback rating or almost like the league quarterback rating and how that goes. My assumption is that it goes down. I mean, I, I got I got to think that the, the two quarterbacks that play in Green Bay in September generally have higher quarterback ratings than the two quarterbacks you play in Green Bay in December mm-hmm. and all sure. the other places like Pittsburgh or New England or you know, what have you. So, you know, there might be an early season thing where the weather's good. Uh, it might be the fact that the quarterbacks are being protected so dang much. That's uh, where I was and, going. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, oh, you know, and the fact that, you know, defensive players or you know, defensive backs, they they get called for all these, you know, ticky-tack holding penalties or, or you know, whatever it might be. And it's just, it's really, really hard to play defense right now. It's really, really hard. So that might be part of it. Uh, it also might be the fact that, you know, with all this sort of spread stuff that a lot of teams are doing more and more and more, you know, there's a lot of there's there's a lot of uh, 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 easy completions out there. I mean, quarterbacks are getting completions for taking a shotgun snap, catching it for a quarter of a second and then tipping it to the guy, you know, a Taylor Gabriel, say, for the Bears last night, a guy sprinting across in a jet motion. That's a completion. He yeah. gets eight yards. That's a completion. You know, th- those types of plays, you know, didn't happen nearly as much. Pat you know, Holmes threw past. two touchdowns on shovel passes in week one that I could well, have completed. Yeah. And, <laughs> right. And, and, and uh, uh, um, uh, Mitchell Trubisky threw a shovel pass last night for a touchdown. That was, right. You know, those are really running plays. And so I, I think there's different things at play here. There's probably you know, the fact that defenses are just limited in what they can do. Uh, and they're trying to make it more of an offensive game. The league is always trying to make it more of an offensive game, uh, which I, by the way, as a quarterback, I actually disagree with. The, you know, a really well-played yeah. defensive game, that 17-14, sort of has you on, you know, chewing your fingernails out the entire game. The ones that are just these back-and-forth deals. Yeah, they're fun to watch, but there's just a little bit less suspense there, and there's a little bit less value for every first down or every big play. You know, I like it when those big plays are really valued, and I think – you know, the, the shootouts and, and, you know, they're not valued as much, but it, it is fun to watch for more of the casual fan. Uh, I feel like it's probably why people love college football so much because they do have these sort of back and forth, you know, 55 to 42, you know, football games that are really, really fun to watch. Do you also agree that while much of it is underdeveloped and we talked about Trubisky, that there's more quarterback talent in the league than ever and every year it gets better? Yeah, you know, I think so. I actually, people act like there isn't, and that right. there's this huge quarterback problem. I, I do feel like these guys are, uh, you know, they're they're more prepared now than they ever were before. I mean, I you know, I came out in two thousand and one, and the difference between how they train, you know, these quarterbacks from when their college season ends, let's just say, for some of them, if they don't go a bowl game, we're talking about Thanksgiving time, but the other ones, you know, January first. You know, those two months between January 1st and like the combine, which is usually, uh, you know, the end of February, early March, these, you know, a lot of these quarterbacks now, they're meeting with professional trainers. They're meeting, and not just physical trainers. I'm talking about, you know, coaches who were, you know, former pro quarterback coaches who might be retired or a guy like, you know, Jordan Palmer or whoever it might be. And, you know, they're learning NFL offenses. They're learning NFL concepts. We didn't have that when I was coming out. A long time ago, almost all these guys now are getting this, you know, this more pro level instruction before they actually ever get drafted. And I think that's helping prepare these guys for, for the NFL game uh, earlier. And I, and I think, you know, I, I think the quarterback play around the NFL is extremely healthy. And a lot of people will disagree with that. 
uh, because not everyone has Aaron Rodgers or, or Tom Brady. But, you know, more often than not, I think quarterbacks do a pretty good job of executing uh, an offensive coordinator's game plan. Yeah, and I do think you made some great points there that the schemes are more friendly. They're stealing a lot from the college level to make their transformation easier. I think the sheer talent, the size, skill, throwing ability is better than ever. And you mentioned, you know, the training coming into the league, even going back to the junior high, high school ranks. I mean, these guys are all in passing camps, elite 11s. I'm, I'm sure many people came to the league without those advantages. Yeah, and it, 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 everyone knows, uh, you know, the value of a quarterback. I mean, can you imagine having a high school kid now and going, you know, if this works out well, he's going to make $30 million a year, <laughs> right, right. you know, six years from now, right? I mean, it's just sort of... Or at least get a know, scholarship, and that's a hundred grand or two hundred grand. Yeah, or right. Yeah. You know? So it's, uh, you know, the value of trying to produce a quarterback. And the great thing about being a, an NFL quarterback or a college quarterback is you don't have to be the biggest, strongest, fastest kid, you know, uh, you know, in the group. And you have to be that if you're a, a defensive end or an offensive lineman or whatever, but or even a wide receiver, you have to be extremely fast and super strong and quick and the whole thing. Quarterbacks, you know, you can be shoot Russell Wilson's five ten all the way up to a six six guy. There's a wide variety. Some guys are better throwers than others. Some guys are, you know, just win with their mind uh, and aren't even great passers, but they they have great and an, you know, anticipation skills because they just understand the game so well. So a lot of different ways to play the quarterback position, uh, but at the end of the day, it's always going to be about decision making and accuracy. Yeah, and you mentioned it that you think. I'm not going to put words in your mouth, but do you think that they've gone too far with protecting the quarterbacks? I'm sure as a former quarterback, you wouldn't have mind taking a fewer hits here and there in your day, and not that it was even that long ago, let alone back in the 70s and 80s and when I was a kid watching quarterbacks get abused. But, like, this Clay Matthews hit on Cousins, I mean, like, it's too hard to be a pass rusher now. I, I, I feel for him, and I think that that's taking away from the game. Yeah, you're not going to... Uh... You're not going to convince me. You're not going to. You're not going to hear me too often say, you know, don't protect the quarterback. But mm-hmm. in this situation, and in, in particular this last weekend, you know, the Packers uh, game with the Vikings, they each team, I think, got a raw deal on a on a bad call. There was also almost the exact same play, if not worse. The Jacksonville Jaguars had one on Tom Brady. Yeah, uh, I think was probably worse than the Jack the than the uh, Clay Matthews play, and that was not called right. So. They need, they need some consistency there. I think in all three situations, they were not penalties. You know, one of the things that when I train, you know, these high school quarterbacks, and I, and I do it all over the country, sort of in the spring and the summer, one of the things I talk about is toughness. You got to, this is not a, you know, a, a, a sport uh, where for, for sort of weak people, it's just no. the way it is. You have to be a physically and mentally tough person. You have to take a lot of hits. That's the part of the job of playing quarterback. It's not about just throwing touchdown passes. Uh, you got to take a lot of hits, and that's a huge responsibility. And I hope that sort of they don't take that aspect away because I don't want a bunch of uh, you know sort of weak players who are a bunch of softies out there playing quarterback. I I like my quarterback battling through toughness and battling through injuries and. Uh, you know, but you do see the other side of it, right? I do. Uh, I mean, let, let, let's just say Kirk Cousins was injured, uh, you know, in that game because of a you know too rough of a hit. Then we don't see the Kirk Cousins throw, uh, which was a, you know a, a thing of beauty at the end of that football game. Uh, those really those two throws uh, for the Vikings to tie the game against the Packers, and so you see the value of the the best quarterbacks. You don't want them to get hurt, but you also have to have the game uh, fair for the defensive linemen who are paid a lot of money 
to try to get to the quarterback. Yeah, and as, as I said earlier, I mean, I think there's more talent at starting quarterback around the league, but the drop-off to the backups is just so drastic that it ruins a season. And I understand why you protect the, the golden goose, but it, it can't come at such an expense to the game. Um, well, since I mean, by the way, the, the reason is, the reason is there's always this big drop-off of, I mean, you got to realize how much, how many fewer reps yeah, that the number two on. quarterbacks get, you know, than the starters, you know, I, I mean, the summertime, it's about even the ones get the same reps as the twos, basically, uh, you know, obviously the twos are going against, you know, backups and things like that. Um, you know, training camp, it's usually about the same, but once that season starts, you know, for the vast majority of an NFL player's year, the number one quarterback is going to get about 90, 95% of all the reps in seven on seven and team drills and all those types of things. And the backup is basically running the scout team, uh, which is nothing like running a, a real NFL offense. It's just impossible for it to be that way. And so, um, you know, that, that's the, 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 I think that that's what the starters just sort of grow and grow and grow. And then there ends up being this fairly large gap always between, uh, you know, a really good starting quarterback and, and his backup. Yeah, there's no question about it. Um, Sage, I want to ask you about two other quarterbacks that are just on fire. But before I do, I want to tell everyone about my bookie. I've been telling you guys about these guys for quite a while. But there's a new wrinkle to what they are offering. Um, I would only recommend a wonderful service like this to my listeners if they've been good to me, which they have been. That's why I'm urging you to make your way to my bookie. You win, they pay. I go there every Friday, and you and I will break down every game. I'll give you my thoughts on every pick with the spread, without they have in-game live betting. That's one of my favorite things to do over unders on fantasy points scored and the most rewarding player perks in the business. Um, this is this is where you got to pay attention, though. My bookie is so slammed with new bettors and want to give everyone the best service possible. So if you're willing to deposit after 7 o'clock Eastern, they give you an extra 25 bucks for free. It's for any deposit over 100 bucks. So that's the way to do it. So join now, and my bookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar. You can use our promo code locked on, all one word, or if you do it after 7 p.m., use our promo code locked on with the number 25 after it. And that gets you an extra 25 bucks. So that's the way to do it. Um, it's up to you guys, but I'd wait till after dinner and take the extra cash. And by doing so, you use the locked on with the number 25 all attached. You play, you win, you get paid. Sage, last thing is. Ryan Fitzpatrick and Pat Mahomes. I mean, with all <laughs> Mahomes, I have bought into from day one. But wow, Fitzpatrick has been the most roller coaster quarterback I think of this generation. But wow, and with all respect to Brady and Rodgers and all the great quarterbacks out there, through two weeks, these are the best two quarterbacks in the league so far. Yeah, it's it's. I tell you what, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, uh, especially Fitzpatrick and and you know everyone likes to call him Fitzy with you know his his post game press conference that was an absolute riot and that was uh, it shows how much guys love him and he's and, having fun know, with he it. He was yeah, he's having fun with it. You know, Fitzpatrick Fitzpatrick has always been. And I sort of compare him to Nick Foles in some ways. He, they're he's like a streaky shooter. He's like a John Starks. Mm -hmm. You know, some days John Starks was going you know, 14 of 18 and just on fire and just giving the ball and the balls, you know, you can shoot from anywhere and it's going in. Then other days he, I remember an NBA finals or a, I think it was an Eastern conference finals. He went like two of 18 or something like that. And, but just kept firing. 
Well, that's Ryan Fitzpatrick. He's going to keep firing on either way. Right now, he's on a total hot streak. Uh, he might throw four interceptions this weekend, but he obviously is enjoying playing the game. His teammates really feed off of that positive energy. And I, I love that he's sort of the opposite of what you'd think of as a Harvard you know, sort of quarterback. He's a total right. gunslinger, always <laughs> right. has been, always will be. Uh, he's sort of like the, the defensive back that gets, gets beat and has the, the short memory. You know, he, he might throw two picks. He don't care. He's going to come back and still keep slinging. He might throw four or five in the game, and then that's, that's just the way it is. But through two games, he's thrown, what, I think eight touchdown passes or something like that. Uh, he does have some really weapons down there, uh, obviously with uh, Deshaun Jackson and, and Mike Evans at wide receiver. They've got that tight end from Alabama. Uh, who's super talented. Uh, so they've got some weapons down there. they got things rolling. And, uh, you know, they might be the sort of the surprise of the year. No one really expected the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to be one of those teams that came out of that, that NFC South, which is always a very, very competitive division. Everyone's thinking, obviously, New Orleans or Carolina or Atlanta might be the Buccaneers. We shall see. So I think what's most interesting in that situation is the future quarterback of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers Nobody knows who that's going to be right now. Right. You know, Winston played okay last year, but there's just a lot that goes into it. You know, through what is it probably his fourth season now? Is he the guy that you really see as the long-term sort of franchise guy? Uh, you know, is he doing is he doing all those things? I don't think so. Right. So you know, is Fitzpatrick the long-term guy there? Probably not, just because he's coming near the end of his career. But you know, right now, I I think to keep him in and keep him rolling until he has a couple bad games before you even think putting Jameis Winston back in the football game. Yeah, they host the Steelers on Monday night, and I've been telling people around here, Fitzpatrick could throw five touchdowns or five interceptions in that game. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's, he's, he's a streaky guy, but that's where you got to love him. Right now he's on fire, and I think that you know that sort of attitude that he has of sort of having fun with it is, is infectious. And, uh, you know, he's, he's always been a you know really accurate throw. He's obviously a smart quarterback. He's really tough. And so he just sort of gives two craps about uh, about what's going on out there sometimes. And I think that sort of mentality uh, that he plays loose um, and uh, that I think that has spread around that Tampa Bay football team. And so it, that, that's been a lot of fun to watch. Now, Patrick Mahomes on the other side, he is like the definition of when you get in this conversation, usually around draft time or after the draft or whatever, early in the season, you know, should 